0: All right. Good morning. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Turn in your Bibles uh if you would to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. It says, "Therefore," and so when we start with the word therefore, it is connecting uh, with whatever he was talking about before. So just remember that as we go into this. It's a connecting word that means that's probably a bad p- place to put us another chapter, chapter 12. Because it's connecting with chapter 11 and it's part of the conversation that Paul's been having. But it says, therefore, or whoever wrote Hebrews. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... Let us lay aside hate and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and just pray that God would um, open up this scripture and speak to our hearts. Hallelujah! How many want God to actually speak to your heart this morning? It's, it's okay, don't feel nervous, don't feel threatened, it's a good thing, uh, it's for your benefit anytime God can speak to you. How many know that's true? God loves you, and no matter whether it's a word that makes us uncomfortable, a word that makes us happy, you know, there's all kinds of different words that come from the Lord, but when it's a loving Father, it's because He loves you so much that you want to hear from God because it's for our benefit, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's go, to the Lord, in prayer with that heart. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, right now, take your word, Lord, and minister to our hearts, Lord. Be a loving Father and just minister, Lord God. Um, help us, Lord. Strengthen us, Lord. Uh, Lord, improve, Lord God, our lives, Lord God. Make us closer to you. Lord, help us today, Lord, including myself, Lord. Speak to us. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, the title of my message today, and it's a little strange, but follow me as I go along this morning. The title of the message is The Prizefighter. How many you know what a prizefighter is? Um, that's another term for a boxer or somebody who fights for a prize. Um, you know, there's a certain mentality you have to have when you fight for a prize uh, when you first start it's just a competition you know like oh yeah we'll have a fight we'll stage a fight we'll promote a fight we'll organize a fight but hey you say there's a prize huh <laughs> let me know everything changes when there's a prize um, that's with anything once you throw a prize in there depending on how big the prize is everything changes right depending on how big the prize is determines how much everything changes and this morning I want to look at the prize that's been set before us how many know there is a prize that has been set before us this morning a prize that you can win and a prize that you can lose And to win it is to win everything. And to lose it is to lose everything. The stakes are really, really high this morning. How many know that? Eternity is high stakes this morning. Your soul and the future of your soul in eternity is at stake this morning. And so the, the, the prize couldn't be any higher. This morning. And so when there's something valuable at stake, the game changes a little bit. And so Paul in Hebrews chapter twelve is using an analogy of a sporting event. He says, Therefore, and the old saying in preaching is any time the word therefore is put in the sentence, you've got to find out what it's there for. Because therefore is a saying that you say, you you say something, and then you say therefore because you're summing up what you said before. So Paul in Hebrews chapter 11 is going through this uh, group of people from the Old Testament that were people of faith. He's going through Abraham, who how many know Abraham left his home, left everything that he knew, went to a foreign land. Because God said, go there. And he said, where am I going? And God said, I'll tell you when you get there. How many remember that that was a really high stakes gamble in Abraham's life? And he followed God in faith. And he followed God to a land that was really, really full of giants. Uh, how many know he was involved in a giant uh, war? Uh, he went against five different nations uh, in order to help his nephew, and God had led him. Uh, he'd been through some battles, right? Uh, how many remember Moses? He was in that same Hebrews chapter 11, and it's talking about the faith of Moses. And how many know that Moses went through a lot for the Lord? I mean, his faith led him through. Uh, if you look at his life, he went through some major battles. He went through some literal wars. Uh, in the life of Moses, uh, he went in and seen some great miracles, but how many know uh, that Hebrews chapter 11 is stressing the faith of these great people? And not only did these people go through a lot, the Bible is very clear uh, to tell you about their moral failures. How many appreciate that the Bible goes through and it talks about the fact that Moses struggled with a temper Is that all right to say in church that Moses struggled with a temper and God dealt with him very severely? I don't think that's an understatement, is it? Moses's temper, God dealt with very severely. Um, Abraham, he was dealing with a moral failure of telling lies how many remember this in Abraham's life? And God dealt with him very severely. And Abraham had to go through that. Um, another person that's in there is David. You say, well, he was probably a perfect man that had faith to the end. How many know that David was dealing with lust issues? How many remember this? Am I telling the truth this morning? But Hebrews chapter 11 is talking about... How they became victorious through their moral failures. How God was able through faith to deliver them. And Hebrews chapter 11 is talking about how they made it through, through faith, through God, through trusting God. They made it through their moral failures. They made it through the difficult circumstances. How many know a lot of them lost a lot of people that they loved? There was death that really uh, affected their life. There was death, there was suffering, there was sorrow, there was uh, moral failures. But through it all, their faith in God, their pursuit of God, allowed them to receive a prize. And the prize was eternal life. They were able by faith to take hold of the promises of God and receive eternity with Christ. How many know that's the finish line and that's the prize? And in Genesis chapter 3, when we go back to the beginning of the whole thing, God had made this world perfect. And we, uh, in the person of Adam, is demonstrated how we are. The Bible says, We like sheep have gone astray. We have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And God says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 22, it says, And the Lord God said, Man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. And he drove the man out and placed him on the east side of the Garden of Eden. Cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth guarded the tree of life. How many know that eternity, life, was taken from us because of sin? And man must now grab a hold of it. How many know in the person of Jesus Christ, In Genesis chapter 3, it says there's one who's going to come and he's going to grab a hold of it for you and only in him are you going to be able to grab a hold of life again. We have life that's fleeting. You have it for a small period of time. How many of you know this? We've got a short amount of time. I don't know, it could be today There's many, many times I've preached sermons and I've looked across the auditorium and there was somebody that was not with us the next time we got together. I can't tell you how many times that is. How many know that that is true? We don't know if it will be today. We don't know if it will be tomorrow. We don't know if it'll be next year. We don't know. We might live another 30 years. We don't know. How many know that? You say, well, Chad, I'm eight years old. I mean, no, that eight-year-old doesn't know. And the Bible says that we have a promise through Jesus Christ that we can have eternal life. That's the prize. That's the thing that we're all trying to grab a hold of through that promise is Jesus Christ. So we have a prize that can be grabbed And taken as ours through Jesus Christ. Or we have a prize that can be lost forever. How many know it can be lost forever? The Bible says that if we don't grab a hold of it and make it our own. That we don't grab the promise of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Then the Bible says we will lose it forever. And We've only got one life to be able to grab it. And so this race, Paul uses an analogy, he says, therefore, because all these people were our examples and were able to grab a hold of it, therefore, since this great cloud of witnesses, and he starts to give a picture of an arena, a giant arena, and in the stands are all those people of faith, that grabbed a hold of the promise of eternal life. and He says, therefore, since all of them have died and have grabbed a hold of the promise, he said, we are compassed about, he said, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. They're all around, they're cheering us on. They're saying, do like I did and grab a hold of it. Win the race. Finish the race. Grab faith. Take eternal life. Don't let yourself die and not receive eternal life. Life is fleeting, and when it's gone, church, it's gone. There's no hope left once life has left our body. And since there's a great cloud of witnesses, and, and, and since that's the case, he says, let us lay aside every weight... And, that's a very important word, the sin that so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So as he begins to, um, he's talking about winning a race. And so the immediate question I have is what is the race and what is the prize? Let me give you another scripture where he talks about it a little bit again the same race 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 24 says this listen to the words of Paul very carefully do you not know that all racers run all all do you not know that in a race all the runners run but only one will get the prize run in such a way to get the prize Everyone who competes in the game goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer that is beating the air. You know what a boxer who is beating the air is? He's shadow boxing. How many have ever seen somebody... Shadow boxing. And this morning, what I really want to stress is, are you a prize fighter? Meaning there is a prize, which is an eternal crown, which is eternal life. And my question is, are you putting up any fight to win? He says, if you're going to win the prize, be like a person that puts up a fight. And the Bible says if we're going to grab a hold of the promises of God through faith, like those in the past have ever done, we're going to have to fight a little bit. How many know it's not just going to fall in your lap? It's not just going to fall into your lap and, and everybody goes to heaven. Uh, the Bible says we have to be like a person who has a desire, a passion, a willingness to win the prize. Hallelujah. That's good preaching. Hallelujah. So what I'm talking about this morning is, what kind of effort are we making to win the prize? Because if we're not making the right effort, we may not get the prize. And that breaks my heart. How many know that breaks my heart this morning? I want everybody to have eternal life that's in this room. I want everybody to receive the promise of God. I want Jesus' death and resurrection to mean something. And all of us, when we die, whenever that is, I want to make sure that we all receive the prize. But how many know in our culture, everybody wants to win the prize, but not very many people want to go into the strict training? That's just a fact in our society, isn't it? Everybody's like, well, give me a trophy. Well, what did you do? I participated. How many know that's called a participation trophy? If you just participate, you get a trophy. But how many know Jesus Christ has won this prize for us and we have to make the effort through faith to receive the promise? And Paul says... You have to have a certain mindset. And so he goes through this mindset. Whoever the writer of Hebrews is, I always say Paul. Because I think he uses the same analogies, a lot of the same language. They debate whether Paul wrote Hebrews, but you'll notice I always say Paul. And he's using an analogy here of a runner who's running a race. And can I tell you, the race and the finish line and the prize is eternity. And so he gives us some advice here on how we can be a person um, who's not playing games, who's not shadowboxing. He said, I'm not one who shadowboxes. He said, how, how did he say it again? He said, I'm not one. He said, I, run like some, I don't run like somebody who's running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer who's shadowboxing. That's what Paul said. And so my question is, what is the advice that he gives here? On how to complete the race and how to receive the promises that are given to you through Christ. And the first thing he says here is, there is a race that is set before us. You say, well man, I don't want to run. How many was that kid in gym class? I don't want to run. What do you mean run? Well, I'll walk around the track. And you say, well man, the same thing I'm going to say in life, God, I don't want to run, I refuse to run. But can I tell you this morning that if you were born and you have a heartbeat, you're in the race. And the race has already been completed. The race has already been won by Jesus Christ. We know there's no battle in front of us that he hasn't already won. He's laid out the course, it says. This course has been laid out for us. It's a hard course. But it's been laid out. He's already won. We just have to walk in it through faith. But Paul said, I'm not like one who runs aimlessly. See, if we were to look down at the race and we would look at some people's lives, we would see eternity right there and God offering it and God already purchasing it and God already doing all the work and we would see a whole mass of humanity that are running aimlessly the finish line's right there that's eternal life that's eternity that's receiving the promises of Christ and we would see all eternity and God would be like just come on just come on take it but we would see all the masses of humanity going this way well hold on hell is that way Hell is that way. God says, I would not that any would perish. I don't want anybody to go to hell. I don't want anybody to be there. That was created for Satan and his angels. Why are you running the other direction? Do you see this, church? We're running aimlessly sometimes. We're not running toward him as fast as we can. We're running the other direction as fast as we can. We're running away from Christ. We're running aimlessly. We're not doing anything to pursue God. And we're disqualifying ourselves from the prize. How many know that? And that's why the Bible calls the word repentance. Do you know what repentance means? It means to turn around in the opposite direction. It means 180. And so what God's asking us to do is quit pursuing all these other distractions and just grab a hold of life. Grab a hold of eternal life. Don't waste it away. Don't forfeit yourself. Don't disqualify yourself. And then then he says that, um, he says, lay aside every weight. That term, weight, uh, literally in the Greek means an athlete that is preparing for a fight and he's trying to make weight. It literally means that he's trying to make weight so he can be in a fight. How many have ever, how many here appreciate boxing? How many have ever been a fan of boxing? I've been a big fan of boxing my whole life. In fact, I was really excited because my favorite boxer right now, that's in the game. In fact, there's only a couple of us that like boxing in here. That's, that's good because you're all gentle people. <laughs> he likes it. <laughs> but my favorite fighter that fights right now is this Russian fighter named Betterbeev. It sounds like a Russian name, doesn't it? Archer Betterbeev. He's a light heavyweight champion and he's fought 20 times and knocked all 20 guys out. Nobody in a... In a title that holds the title right now has knocked every single person out and he is a joy to watch I mean he's destructive (laughs) he's the most powerful puncher in boxing right now but his title fight was on tv last night I was so excited because I love to see a person who has the skill the training they have committed their life to their craft Uh, Defensively, they're a certain way. Offensively, a certain way, they're disciplined. And they have came to that fight prepared to win. And how many know that's what God is calling us to do? He wants us to be like somebody who has been in training, who's prepared to win. It doesn't mean his life is on hold. It doesn't mean that his life is over. Uh, Let me give you another example how many have ever been challenged to a race? Anybody? So I can outrun you and you're like, yeah, you can't outrun me. And and then sometimes men have these conversations, right? And then they say, well, I bet you a hundred bucks. I bet you a hundred bucks I can outrun you. How many know the, the stakes just went up, right? The stakes just went up because of there's... that I can outrun you. So the first thing you do when you're ready to race is you put on a big coat and your work boots and you make sure your pockets are full. But see, this is what Paul's saying. He's saying, take off every weight. Sometimes we think that's sin, but sin is the next thing. He says, take off every weight and the things that entangle you, the sin that entangles you. So what are the weights? Well, the weights, let's see here. If I were going to race, okay, I wouldn't want work boots on. I would want fast shoes or no shoes, all right? I wouldn't want this. This is a wall. I don't carry a very big wallet. But how many know this is not an invaluable thing? How many think it's valuable to have your wallet? You say, well, he's just sin he's talking about. No, he's talking about having a mindset where I'm here to win it. I'm in it to win it. And some people's mindset when it comes to serving Christ is not I'm in it to win it, I'm in it to get by. And so he's saying, if you're really in it to win it, then let's take off the weight first. And so this is really important, but it's not gonna help me win the race, right? So I'm going to lay that down. Well, it seems like everything I have is pretty important. I may think your car keys are pretty important. Your house keys pretty important. But if I'm trying to win a race, how important are they? Not important. How many understand what I'm saying this morning? Spirit's going to have to speak to you this morning. These are valuable things, not invaluable things. But if my goal is to win the race, right, then I got to lay that aside. In fact, the words that Paul uses there is lay aside and push away. It's a compound word in Greek. Lay it aside and push it away. Not unimportant things, right? Not unimportant. I just got to find a safe place to put them, push them away, because they're not helping my goal of winning. Now we have a day where it's below freezing outside, right? Would I wear the coat? Probably not. I mean, understand, a coat is important today. But it depends on how committed I am to winning the race. And I'll tell you, if it were one penny, I would be committed to winning that race. How many are competitive here? And so, anything, and the higher the stakes, the more willing I'm going to be to win. Right? So Paul is using this analogy to say, if the stakes of eternal life are so important, then why do you have all this weight that's keeping you from winning the race? And I just told you, these things are a lot of good things. Sometimes these things are very important that are holding you back. Sometimes they're friends. And you have to ask yourself how committed am I to eternal life? Are these friends the weight that's holding me back from winning the prize? Let me give you another one social media. I'm not saying it's evil. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not even saying it's a sin. I'm just saying, is social media draining your ability to win the race? I'm not saying it's going to send you to hell. I'm not going to say it's going to keep you from serving God. I'm just saying, what is holding you back from being successful in reaching this prize of eternal life? And so Paul is saying that. Be committed. How many you know that in our society, a lot of times we just want a participation trophy? right? And a lot of times we say to ourselves, well, what can I get away with and still be a Christian? <laughs> and God's saying, what can I do to be committed to living for Christ? And so this morning, don't just listen to a word. In fact, the Bible says, uh, don't be hearers of the word and not be doers of the word. So that means, well, what do I do with this message, Chad? What are you trying to tell me in this message? I'm telling you that you need to find a quiet place with God. And you need to say, God, what is the weight that is keeping me from living for you? Right? Let me understand what I'm talking about. There are lots of weights and God will reveal it if you ask him. If you ask God, he will reveal man, these are the things that are holding you back. It's your friendship group. It's your social media. You know, it's your entertainment habits. It's, you know, and I'm not saying you have to give up everything. I'm just saying, how many know that a boxer that is a championship boxer, he doesn't give up everything. He lives a pretty good life. But when it comes to the things that are critical to his craft, how many know he's very focused on it? It's the highest priority is that, and then I'll live life. And what God is saying is make your faith in Christ the most important thing, to the point that you don't allow that weight to keep you from serving Christ. Then he says, and, which means there's a second thing. He says, don't let the weight and the sins that so easily beset you or ensnare you. So that word beset is not a word that we use real often. So what does this word beset mean? Dictionary says, it means to be attacked on all sides. The zebra was beset by leopards. It means to be harassed continually or chronically. Strong's describes it as a standing around and being thwarted as a competitor in every direction. Um, We call it boxing out an opponent. The player may have started with a game plan in mind, but he was prevented from following that game plan because the wall of bodies that are around him. How many have ever seen in basketball, you're trying to get a rebound? Well, this word beset or entangled literally means there's so many people around you trying to prevent you from getting the rebound. How many you know that sins can beset you very easily? And so the Bible says that we should lay aside or push away sins that are besetting. That means there are things in your life that are keeping you from reaching the prize. And you say, well, what are those things? Well, number one, we said the weights. And the weights might not even be sins, but they're things that maybe aren't profitable to you living for God. But sins are actually things that God is not pleased with. They're besetting sins. There's things that continually harass you. And the Bible says, lay aside or push away those sins that easily beset you. So what does that mean? That means that there's certain things in our life that the enemy will literally surround us because he's trying to keep us from reaching the goal. So what are some of those things? And and, and and Brother Jeremiah, that's some of the things that we're trying to minister to on Sunday nights. We're trying to be a family that brings support around people that are struggling with life-controlling issues. How many know that some of those things, like lust is one? Something we don't want to talk about in our society. But how many know with um, the way things have transpired online that pornography is a major, major thing in our society. And how many know pornography can push you so far away from your goal that it can beset you, it'll put an enemy around you that won't allow you to reach your goal. It'll be all around you trying to keep you from reaching your goal. How many have ever felt something like anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, pornography, uh, maybe it's substance abuse, And they get such a hold on you, you totally lose focus on God and it starts pushing you this way. And it starts pushing you this way. And it's pushing you further and further and further away from God. How many have ever felt that? And so what Paul is saying here is, if you want to be a prize fighter, we've got to fight those things. Remember the hall of faith that I told you earlier? Abraham struggled with lying. David struggled with lust. Um, You see, all these different people of God, Moses, you know, uh, some of the struggles that Moses had with his anger. And what God is calling us to be is people that will fight for a prize. Church, we can't allow the enemy through sin to keep us from reaching our one goal in life that we have to succeed at. How many know what the one goal in life is we have to succeed at? And that's reaching eternity for Christ. And so what Paul is saying here is that you're going to have to put up an effort and fight. And church, how many of you know that we're trying to put people around you to help you fight this, but you've got to fight? In fact, uh, when condemnation comes, how many know condemnation is you digging up the past? Jesus says, I forgive you, move forward, go and sin no more, but how many of you know if you keep digging that body up, every time it gets buried, every time God says it's in the past and you keep digging it up and it keeps coming back alive, how many of you know you're being beset? You're allowing this thing, condemnation, guilt, you're allowing it to keep you from moving forward. And if you were to look down at that race, God said it before you, God said, keep walking, I purchased it for you, just have faith. Some of you say, well, I don't know, something happened yesterday, something happened last week, and I still feel bad about it, I can't get over it, no matter how many people I talk to, I can't get over it. I'm telling you, get over it! Get over it! It's a besetting sin, and it's keeping you from your future. It's gonna make you die and forfeit the prize because you won't move forward. I'm telling you through the Spirit of God, move forward. You say, well, well, I've got anger issues. Well, so did Moses. All right. We've got to have faith to move through it. You say, well, I've got unforgiveness issues. Well, get over it. It's a besetting sin. It's trying to keep you from life in Christ. And Paul is just screaming, be a disciplined athlete here. Be a person who understands pornography. Chad, I've struggled it with my whole life. Church, do you want to be free? Paul is saying, let's press in and let's be a prize fighter. Let's fight through and let's defeat this enemy of pornography. Let's defeat this enemy of lust. Let's defeat this enemy of of alcohol. Let's defeat this enemy of of, uh, loneliness. Let's defeat this enemy of bitterness. How many know that Jesus was the champion that purchased your victory? And he's asking us to be a prize fighter. I want you to think about that fighter sitting there day after day after day after day training, disciplining himself, fighting I mean, you know, every day. That's why I love so much about a great fighter. Man, that guy last night better be if you watch him fight. I mean, those uh, that left hands in the right place, that right hands in the right place. You throw any punch, you can't fool that guy. You can't feint a punch and fool him. He's so disciplined. How many know he wasn't like that when he started? He wasn't like that when he started. He trained himself. He disciplined himself. The enemy fools you over and over and over again but how many of you know church I'm going to I get up here and everybody gets nervous. I don't want to go too far up the aisle here. How many of you know the people of faith in Hebrews chapter 11 that he's talking about that are cheering you on? They failed. They succeeded, they failed, they succeeded, they failed, they succeeded, I failed, but they never quit moving. They never They never kept, stopped moving. Faith in Christ, we keep moving forward. We keep training. We keep disciplining. We keep bringing things to Christ. We keep asking God, God, where can you help me? God, train me. God, discipline me. God, and you say, well, how do I do this? How do I do this? Here's a really great start. I was reading... Have ever heard of Celebrate Recovery? I was reading through their devotional. And this is day two. It's called The First Step. How many know when a boxer goes in training, there's the first day of training? That day when you purpose in your heart that I'm going to win the prize? That's the first day you started jumping rope he wasn't very good at it. First day, he started hitting the heavy bag. He wasn't very good at it. The first days, he started sparring guys that were better than him, and he got beat up a lot. How many know there's a first day in the gym? You say, well, man, I bet, I bet that champion fighter just came out of the box like that. No. He took a lot of lumps. He took a lot of beatings. He took a lot of. But every day, he went back to the gym. But how many know there's the first day? Now, listen to this devotional I can remember being at a point when I knew my life was spinning out of control I knew there were a lot of things that needed to change but I did not want to alter my current lifestyle too much so I looked for ways to get some help without having to make drastic changes I attended some secular meetings for example but didn't really commit to their programs Then when nothing happened, I would say, why isn't this working? Maybe God doesn't love me and maybe I don't deserve change. How many think we all think like this? The truth is, I didn't need one more thing to cram into my messed up life. What I needed was something to replace my messed up life. I needed to get let go of my old life hand it over to God. I finally did that, and now, 20 years later, I cannot imagine why it took me so long to do something so right and true and amazing. A race begins with a single step, and so does recovery. The only way to run with perseverance is to hang on to God's hand and let Him take the lead. True change only comes when we die to ourself. And allow Christ to set the pace. Church, I hope you're already in strict training. I hope you're like me where you're not just trying to get by and say I'm a Christian. But you're disciplining yourself to take off all that weight and all those sins that so easily beset. And trying to reach the high calling of Christ. Hallelujah. Pressing forward to reach the mark of the high calling of Christ is what Paul said. And so it takes that first step. You've got to be able to say that, God, I'm just fully here to win the prize. I'm a prize fighter. Number two, what's the second thing that I would say would be the best thing to do? The second thing is begin to have honest conversations with God. Take time to be quiet before God. In fact, a lot of times we don't do that. A lot of times we think prayer is me telling God. God, you gotta do this, you gotta do that, you gotta do this, you gotta do that, you gotta do this, you gotta do that. How many of you know it's more important to listen to God? Let Him speak not only through prayer, but through preaching, through the Word, and just say, God, reveal to me wait number one wait what is the things in my life that are keeping me from reaching my number one goal in life and that's to be close to you how many know you can live a great life and still be close to God but God reveal those things that are killing me you know if I'm up all night on social media how many know that's probably affecting my ability to live for God am I telling the truth here Somebody said, don't touch social media again. You're touching a golden calf here. Don't do that. But how many know? We need to ask God. God reveal to me what is it. God may say, hey, it's this or it's that. I'm not the Holy Spirit. So you ask God, what are the weights that are holding me back? And then God will begin to reveal sins. And I remember when I took day one of training. And said, God, I'm going to live for you for the rest of my life. I'm chasing that prize from this day forward. And you know what God did? He revealed a bunch of sins in my life that were besetting me. Literally, they were around me like that poor zebra with all the hungry leopards around it. They were besetting me. And God said, well, here's the first set of sins. Let's deal with this. And you know what I thought in my mind? I thought, well... God's going to take these things away and I'm going to need less and less of his grace. But how many know the more I prayed, the more God revealed how deep my dysfunction was. And so here I am 30 years later walking with Christ and God just keeps going deeper and deeper and I love it because the deeper God goes into my dysfunction and in my dirty heart, how many know the closer I get to reaching the prize? That prize is just laid out for me. My steps have been ordered. But the more I speak to God and let Him speak to me, the more He reveals weights and sins that beset me. The third thing that I would do, I would spend time in God's Word. I mean, you know, the Bible says that we should Spend time in his word, because that is the most sure way for God to speak to us. In fact, you will read his word, and then you'll pray, and we'll zip it for a little bit, and God will use that word to speak into your life, and he will make us, um, he'll get our eyes focused on him and on the prize. And he'll help us in this journey of this race that he's put us in. How many know that? Then the last thing, and I'll close with this, if the worship team can go and come up. Worship team in here. The last thing. If you're in a race, you have to know what the finish line looks like. And if you take your eyes off the finish line, you're probably not going to finish the race. How many you know that? In the Bible, as you go through Hebrews chapter 12, he continues on and he says, in verse 2 of Hebrews chapter 12, he said, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of God, the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners that you will not grow weary and lose heart. How many know in this race that we're in, we can grow weary and we can lose heart. But he's giving us the antidote here. The antidote is to fix our eyes on him fix our eyes on him and you say well man what what is the um, where else would my eyes be if my eyes are not on Jesus where would they be that's the question we need to ask ourselves this morning you say well man you have all the answers right I don't have all the answers. The Holy Spirit is the one that's going to lead you through your heart. I can give you some potential answers and I'll give you a big one. Usually our eyes are on me. You know, point to yourself. You're so caught up in yourself that we can't see the finish line, which is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So God is saying, fix your eyes on Jesus, the perfecter and the finisher of your faith. So if I have faith and I'm trying to finish, I have to have eyes focused on the one who's going to help me finish, which is Jesus Christ. And the minute you take your eyes off Christ, what happens? You begin to lose focus of the entire race altogether. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet this morning. Hallelujah. Oh, wow. 1157. I'm going to close in a word of prayer this morning. And I just want to take one song here to let you kind of search your heart. Um, One of the things that I really believe very strongly in is that when the Holy Spirit is touching somebody's heart, I want them to count the cost. I don't want to try to compel somebody to go to an altar in front of everybody because they've been emotionally charged. That's not how it worked for me, and I don't know in the Bible that's how it works. But I want the Holy Spirit to begin to search your heart. Church, we're in danger this morning of losing the prize. And so I want you to begin to examine your hearts as we begin to worship this morning, as Tracy begins to play. I just want you to examine, number one, are you even in the race? Are you even pursuing eternal life at all? Are you running aimlessly? Number two, if you are running, how good is your race? Are you weighted down with so many things then I'm not even focused on the goal ahead of me. And the third thing, are there sins that are all around me that are keeping me from reaching Christ? And if there are those sins, I'm asking you to just, maybe at your seat, maybe at the altar, just lay those weights down. Say, Lord, I give them to you. Lord, I won't have this in my life anymore. Hallelujah. So as we go to the Lord in prayer, I need you to have action this morning. I need you to really examine your heart this morning. Hallelujah. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, right now, send your spirit in this place, Lord. Begin to examine hearts. Lord, if they're not pursuing you, Lord God, Father, I just pray right now that you begin to move on their hearts, Lord. Lord, that your spirit would begin to move. Begin to have conversations, Lord, in their heart with them, Lord. Oh, Lord, right now, I pray that you would um, open up conversations, Lord, with their pastor, with friends they know who love you, Lord God. And Father, right now, I pray for an urgency to seek you out, Lord. Oh, right now, Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would um, speak to them in their bed at night as they walk through their day, Lord. Lord, let them not be afraid to pursue you with their heart, their mind, and their soul, Lord God. Oh, Father, right now, just begin to minister. Hallelujah. Just take some time to seek the Lord this morning. going to close in a word of prayer, but I feel really um, the Bible says that um, it's so simple that a fool need not make a mistake coming to God coming to Christ God has made it so simple that even a fool can't make a mistake And sometimes in church, I think it gets complicated. It gets mixed sometimes with fear. It gets mixed sometimes with anxiety. Sometimes we're afraid we're going to get embarrassed. Sometimes we're afraid that they won't take their time to help us understand. And church, can I tell you that God has put pastors and teachers here to lovingly lead you to the father and so that's why we're here you say well man i don't know how to get from where i'm at to being right with god and the lord's just leading me this morning to tell you that that's what we're here for you say do i have to do it in front of everybody no you don't that's the good news I would rather not do it in front of everybody. How many know that? But in the Bible, we see God and his leaders taking time to spend with people to explain to them, man, how do I get right with God? How do I have a relationship with God? How do I win the prize, which is eternal life? And I just want to encourage you this morning, if you've got questions that you need answered, you want to know, man, what is this path? that God has set up for me. I just want you to know this morning that God is a loving Father. And if that's you this morning, you need to find me after the service. And I want to talk to you about that. I want to spend some time with you and help you understand what it means to live for Christ. Hallelujah. How many think that's important to spend time and to learn how to live for God and to learn how do I deal with with my failures remember all of the great people of faith had failures but God through his word how many know God washed all of us God set us on the right path and God can do that for you this morning and I just want to encourage you to find a pastor find a leader let us lead you uh, in that walk with the Lord this morning hallelujah let's go to the Lord in prayer John can you turn the lights up makes me sleepy hallelujah Heavenly Father, right now, Lord, I know that you're drawing hearts to you. And uh, Holy Spirit, I just ask that you continue to draw, continue to minister to hearts. Oh, Lord, that you continue to convict hearts. And Lord, that you would draw them with your kindness, your gentleness, your love, your mercy, your grace. And Lord, I pray that a work would be done in so many hearts this morning. Lord, you'd put the right people in their path, Lord God. You'd put the right leaders there to lead, Lord. And Lord, you'd give a heart, Lord God, that is seeking you, Lord God. Lord, do a mighty work this morning. In your name I pray. And everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah.